We ask everybody to grab a Bible and go to the book, the first book that Simon Peter wrote. Let's go there. And we'll see what that disciple had to say. We're going to look today at the priesthood of the believer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. Last week, we started out this series on dress for success. And Fred Mooney made a comment of all people that's going to be preachers that would tell somebody how to dress. Our preacher's going to tell us how to dress. But... Uh, I, how many, how many guys, your wife dresses you, tells you what to wear and put on, do that? Yeah, we got some that's willing to admit it. I'm telling you, I'm going to go down in flames on that. I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if nothing matches. Uh, the only time she's going to dress me is when I'm laid out in that casket. She can Whatever she wants to put on me, that'd be fine. But other than that, I'm going down swinging, and uh, I'll wear what I darn well want to wear. <laughs> Dress for success. This is what he writes. Verse 9, chapter 2. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, let's stop there and say something about that. I've known more than one that have used that as an excuse for being a fruitcake. Well, you know, God does say that we're just a peculiar people, preacher. The word is peculium, and it means private possession. God's saying, you're mine. God's not saying, you're weird. I know one guy in particular, he'd tell me that all the time. Finally, I just got fed up with it. And I said, that's not what that word means. It's peculium, private possession. And his, you know, he wanted to use it as an excuse for being a nut. And he drove away more people where he worked than he ever won. And uh, it's not you being a nut, even though Solomon probably had that guy in mind where he writes in the Song of Solomon that he went down to the Valley of Nuts. That guy, that's where that guy lived. And I say that in love. <laughs> but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculium, a private possession people. Why? Here's the reason. That you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness, thank God, into his marvelous light. And isn't it marvelous? It really is. Isn't it marvelous? It's marvelous. For me to get up on Sunday morning and come to the house of God, see people smiling faces and people ready to hear the word of God and people setting up straight and can't wait for what their preacher's got to say, it's marvelous. Father, we ask and pray this morning for your blessing upon this continued service. And Lord, your blessing upon me, dear God, as we would preach your unsearchable riches, that which cannot be fully searched out. We're thanking you, God, for who you are in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Old Testament, Israel had 
a priesthood. In the New Testament, we switch gears. We are a priesthood. I want you to look at your neighbor and do this on both. If you've got a neighbor on each side, tell them on both sides and say these words. You are a royal priesthood. Say that to your neighbor. In the New Testament, we as believers are never, ever called priest. We are called preachers, teachers, pastors, evangelists, ministers, shepherds, elders, bishops, never called a priest. Why is that? Because every one of us is a priest. Oh, not me, preacher. Oh, yes, you. Every one of us. The Bible said it. I read it in your hearing. You are of a royal priesthood. But it's not that here I am. I am the priest. And I administer the word of God to you. No. We're all priests together. That's why when I preach, I preach as if it's a room full of preachers. Because you are. You may never get up here behind this pulpit and preach, but you're all preaching a sermon. You're all to deliver the goods out there in the world in which we live. So we are all called to be a royal priesthood unto God. In England, the ministers wear their collars buttoned in the back. You ever seen that? You ever seen that? Here's the deal. A minister was on a motorcycle. He got in a wreck. He was going somewhere to visit someone. He got in a wreck. It was kind of a bad wreck. A simple-minded man came upon what was going on, the first one there, and he gave the guy assistance. And then the cops showed up. And when the cops showed up, they said, this man's dead. And the simple-minded man said, yeah, he was kind of hurt when I got here. And his head was on backwards. And by the time I got his head on straight, he had died. <laughs> it takes more than a turned-around collar. It takes a turned-around life. That's what God's looking for. It's not like uh, 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 Princess uh, Di and what was her deadbeat husband? What was his name? Charles. That guy. He'd play that game with a horse and he'd fall off his horse every time. What an embarrassment to the crown. But that day that they was married, it was the high reverend, and then it was the high, high reverend, and then it was the most holy high, high reverend. We don't have that here. We're all priests unto God. This is a royal priesthood. Everybody in this together. Get it out of your mind that, well, that's what we pray the preacher for. Get it out of your mind that it's only the preacher that does the ministry. We're all to be ministers unto God. Every believer is a priest unto God, and every believer has a great high priest. His name is Jesus. 
In one book alone, we can go through this. Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus is our merciful and faithful high priest. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus is the high priest of our profession. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus is our great high priest that is passed into the heavens. In Hebrews chapter 4, Jesus is our high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Hebrews chapter 6, Jesus is our great high priest forever. Hebrews chapter 7, Jesus is our high priest that saves to the uttermost. And in Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus is our high priest of good things to come. Thank God. We are all priests unto God, but we have a great high priest that we rely upon in heaven. Thank God. Now, on dress for success, what we want to look at today. Oh, wait a minute. Is my high priest ready? Where's he at? Where's my high priest at? We got the high priest coming. Here he comes. Awesome. Can anybody tell me in the Old Testament who was the overseers of getting this garment made? Wasn't Moses. Wasn't Aaron. Well, if you can get this, this is tough trivia here. And I don't know why I remember this, but I've always remembered this. I heard a woman teach on this 25 years ago, and I've never forgot it. Aholiab and Bezaliel. How's that for two names? And they, the God had instructed and given them the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what needed to be done and then to place that anointing upon other people that was able to do the same thing. So thousands of years later, this same anointing is passed upon Irish shell where she could make this, this right here. This right here. And what we have here is the holy mitre upon his head that in gold in, uh, had across the front in Jewish letters holiness unto the Lord. And then we've got the ephod. And then the breastplate. And then we had the robe, this in blue. And then the white tunic. And today what we're going to look at is the belt. The belt is what holds it all together. Thank you, high priest. We appreciate that. Give him a hand. Two whole chapters in the book of Genesis, two whole chapters deal with the garments that the high priest would wear. Two of them. That's incredible to me. And in Dress for Success, we want you to realize that what we can learn back thousands of years ago still applies right now. In Hebrews 5, no one took the honor of being the high priest unto himself. It wasn't like, hey, I think that'd be a great profession and I'll get into that someday. No, it was called of God as was Aaron, is what the Bible said. As God particularly called Aaron, God in turn would particularly call other people to be the high priest. Too many today are mama called and papa sent. Mama thinks it'd be great if her boy was preacher somewhere and dad's got the bucks and he'll get him started. And I'm telling you, it never works out. 
Wilford Musgrave said something years ago to a young guy that was preaching, and I thought that's pretty good advice. Wilford said, if I can talk you out of it, you ain't called. I think that's valid advice. Because sooner or later, it's not going to be peaches and cream to where it's just, oh, it's just great to be able to get up and preach. I'm telling you something, you don't pay me to preach. You pay me for all this other junk in between sermons. That's what I get paid for. This is the good stuff up here. This is the part that I enjoy up here. The bell. How many heard the bells as he walked in? The bell. There was a bell and then a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate that went all the way around that garment. Pomegranates were not grown in Egypt. They were in the promised land. To be able to truly get God's blessing, you had to be where God wanted you to be. Oh, yeah, that's a big one there. That's a big one there. You had to be right where God wanted you to be. Thousands of years ago, to have God's blessing, you had to be in the promised land. Today, you've got to be in Christ. You can have the love of God and not do a thing all of your life. Never get converted, never call out upon God, never go to church, never pay a tithe, never try to win anybody to Jesus, and you have the love of God on your life, but not necessarily the blessings of God. Just as important as them to be in a particular location in the Old Testament, we've got to be in a particular person in the New Testament. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the belt. Five times in the New Testament, we're told to be girded up. First Peter chapter 1. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope unto the end. To gird up for this journey... You got to have the belt of truth on. And here's how I'm right here. This is the truth. And if the belt of truth tells me something, that's what I need to go with. If the belt of truth tells this church something, that's what we need to go with. Well, you know, though, that my aunt said that that clap in your hands is just kind of, it don't matter what your aunt says. Here, in, in importance here, which is weightier? Which weighs the most? Let me see. Uh, do I, I, I listen to what the Bible said, or do I listen to what my aunt says? Oh, 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 oh that's a toughie. I told my aunt one time, boy, I can't get real because Wilford's right. You can really get trouble on all this if you mention names. So it was an aunt that I had that had gray hair, which they all do. So right there, I'm all, I'm all right. <laughs> and uh, told her one time that uh, the man was the head of the house. Woo, she didn't like that. I'll have you know we're both heads of the house at my household. And I said, with her name, and I said, her name inserted here. 
her name, and then I said, the last time I seen anything with two heads was at the circus freak show. <laughs> and my dad, he always tell me about the family. He'd say, Mark, it's not you that they hate. It's what you stand for. So I've always thought, that's right. It ain't me they hate. It's what I stand for. That's what they hate. But a few gigs like that don't really help me at all. That's the way I know. <clears throat> what about praising God out loud in the Bible? What does the Bible say about that? Should we do that? Should we be in a church service and praise God out loud? Or should it be, let us be silent and holy before the Lord? There are some churches that got that on their, it's on their, on their banner. I was going to say on the screen. They wouldn't have a screen, but upon their wall. Let us be silent as we come in and worship the Lord. I say fooey with that. Because there's a whole lot of scriptures in the Bible that talks about us raising our voice unto God. And the very same people that won't do it in church will do it at the ball game. You hypocrite. The very same person that can't get excited about one thing of the church will go to the holiday tournament and scream their fool head off. That's a hypocrite. Or if anything, it really lets me know who you're in love with and what you're in love with. What about praising God out loud? Let's see if it's in the Bible. Hebrews 13, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. That's what the Bible says. So you know what I say? I say that we're to take the belt, we wrap it around us, and we gird it up. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, but my aunt, don't matter what your aunt says. Yeah, but my grandpa... My grandma said this while I was sitting on her knee. Yeah, and you've been in a lot of other joints down through the years, and you learned other things just as wrong as that, sitting on that joint. Do you get that? I thought that was a pretty good one. I thought it last week. <laughs> what about paying tithe? Well, let's see if it's in the Bible. Malachi chapter number 3. Verse 10 through 11, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Yeah, but somebody on the internet, are you kidding me? Some disgruntled person that that didn't like what the church was doing, and now they're on the internet, and they're telling about how they ought to have church in their garage, like they are, and how they slam every other church that's raising any funds for anything. And I'm telling you, if the church wasn't here, the gospel message would grind down to a halt. Well, I just don't know if I need the church or not. More people are being saved than one of Jesus Christ today, right now in churches around the world, and because of that influence, and because of that money that's been sent, and because of that money that's been faithfully given, they're reaching millions of people around the world through missionaries and the printed page, and doing everything they can to get the Word of God out. That's what a guy told me, I don't know, I, I was so aggravated that day. 
Mom had bought a little boat thing, but every time it'd, get, it'd rain, that thing get full of water. And I was out there, and it was too heavy to get it up out of there. And, and I, was, I was down, I was in there trying to get the water out, get enough water out to where I could dump the rest and get it up on the land. Okay, you got a phone call. And I answered the phone, and, and it was this guy that he no longer goes to church here, but he had a ministry, and he, you know, he's telling me about how that he didn't have to pay tithe, and and, and here, you know, I'm just filth. I'm a murky, muddy mess on top of everything else. And, and boy, when, as soon as I heard that, it just, it just went all through me. I said, so you're telling me, you're telling me, Buster, that you know more than Billy Graham, than D.L. Moody, than Charles Spurgeon, and I just got on a roll. I mentioned about 15 preachers that I'm sure he would have knew about. You're telling me you know more than them. Is that what you're telling me? You're telling me if you don't want to pay tithe, but you want to take your ministry and go into other people's churches and try to raise money in them churches of faithful people giving a tithe faithfully. That guy is a wolf in sheep's clothing, was what he was. I'm not afraid to tell that and call that to people. Wolf, that's how that's pronounced. That guy was a wolf feeding upon the people of God in the, in the work of God. So, yeah, I'm all about, and I've been doing this since I've been 16 years of age. I'm all about faithfully paying tithe. And that's how the Bible refers to it. It don't even talk about giving tithe. It's paying a tithe. Because if I had my option with the IRS, you can either give this or pay this. Really? Is that what it is? I can give it or pay it? Well, I won't give it. You'd feel that way too if you lived on the road I live on. When they, I live on a gravel road that's got potholes like this. And I pay in, I pay in, I pay taxes, and I got gravel like this. I live on a gravel road. Gravel road. Third world countries have got better roads than what I live on. <laughs> so what do we do? We see if it's in the Bible. I've already read it to you in the Bible. In verse six, that, in verse six, that same chapter, it says, "I am the Lord; I change not." So don't just con me and say, well, it's just in the Old Testament. Jesus talked about paying tithe. It's a principle of God. Principles stay the same forever. A principle stays the same. A principle stays the same. So what do we do? We see if it's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we wrap that around us and we tighten that up. And that's how we live our life. Preacher, what about lifting our hands to God? Well, let's see if it's in the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Yeah, but the church I came from, they really poo-pooed that. Well, that church has got it wrong because the Bible's saying right there. Lift up holy hands. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, but isn't that kind of fanatic? Let's go back to point A with the basketball game. You hypocrite, you. We won the game. That's okay. But we can't lift our hands to God who has saved us and we're going to be in heaven forever and ever 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 and ever. 
All right, what you just got through doing. Let's see if that's in the Bible. Preacher, what about clapping our hands? Is that in the Bible? Psalms chapter 47. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. And I'll throw something else in there. What about shouting? Woo! Is that in the Bible? Let's continue that same verse on. Oh, clap your hands. There's that first one. All ye people, and here's the rest of it. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Both of them's in that same verse. So it's in the Bible. What do we do? We wrap it around us and we gird it up. That ought to be part of your life. Yeah, but my grandma, it ain't got nothing to do with grandma. This ain't your grandma's church unless your grandma goes to this church. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're to be girded up to go to war. The church is too namby-pamby. And too many preachers got lace on their underwear, I'm sorry to say. (laughs) That will not and refuse to take any kind of stand. The truth of the word of God. The truth of the Word of God, if we will get that around us and cinch that up, it will hold you together. I'm not always worried about what Grandma or my aunt or my uncle is saying or what some other church is saying. I see if it's right here, and if this truth says it's in there, that's what i got to go with. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've illustrated this before. Let's do it again. I need Dave Orr. Come and help me, please. I need Jerry Garrison. Come and help me, please. And give me John David over here on this side. Now, stand away from each other just a little, about like that. And now grab hands. Just like that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what makes the way part of it work? What the way is holding on to. Truth. See, If Jesus couldn't be believed, he couldn't be the way. What makes the life part of this work where he's holding on to? The truth. Oh, it don't matter. It don't matter what a guy, if you can believe him or not, it's a... He could really play a saxophone good, and he said that that he wore boxers instead of briefs. That's so cool. Get a president like that. Really? Really, is that what it's about? I don't think so. It don't matter if he's going to lie just to, you know, just according to what is, is. It really don't matter what, what. Truth is all important. Truth is all important. Truth links everything else together. 
The reason I can know that Jesus is the way was because he's the truth. The reason I know that Jesus is the life is because he's the truth. He links everything together. That Jesus, he was a tall guy. I bet wasn't he? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Give him a hand. In John 13, the Bible says Jesus girded himself up with a towel. And in doing that, he washed the disciples' feet. Jesus didn't say, Nathaniel, you wash all their feet because I ain't about to do that. No, Jesus washed all their feet. Thank God. And again, shows us as him being an example. In Luke chapter 12, I'm to be girded up. That truth around me tied together, girded up and ready for the Lord's return. In a Baptist children's home, the teacher had talked about the Lord Jesus returning again, and it could happen any day. And she had to leave the room, and when she came back, all those fifth grade students had got up out of their seat, and they was all with their hands and their face pressed up against the window, and they were looking up. They believed what she said. Have that truth wrapped around you, girded up. They believed what she was saying. Abigail, probably the greatest woman in King David's life, met him before he was ever king. She said these words to him, and I've always got a, lot, a great deal out of this. She says, David, there's something about you. Your life, it's just like you're all tied up with God. I think what she was telling him is, you've got that truth wrapped around you, and you've got it girded up towards holding everything else in your life together. Truth. Truth. We can build upon this right here, the truth of the Word of God. The belt of truth. Bow your heads, please. Father, we're so grateful for the exuberance and the excitement that I feel in my heart and others do as well with us going toward Fairfield. And God, we're able to do that because of the truth of your word. All this is not built upon a praise team, it's not built upon a preacher. It's built upon the truth of your word. That's why we're going to Fairfield. Well, the truth of your word is why we are still here at Orchardville Church 23 years later. The truth of your word. Thank God for truth. Thank God for truth. Thank God for truth. Lord, I'm built upon that truth to this day. The truth of no matter who calls out to you, you will save. That's a truth. And I'm praying, God, this truth gets birthed into somebody's soul here this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. As the Spirit of God speaks to you this morning, I want you to take these truths that you have heard today, wrap them around you, cinch them up, gird them up to where they'll never fall off of your life, where you can readily Raise your hands to God and know it's in the Bible where you readily can give a shout unto God and know it's in the Bible 
where you readily can clap your hands unto God and know it's in the Bible. Where you readily can give a tithe unto God and know it's in the Bible. There are so many truths that's in the Word of God that we need to wrap around us, tighten that up to where it holds everything else in our life together. Thank God. Want to be dressed for success? This is part of it. Take that belt, tighten up around you. If you're here this morning, you need Jesus as your Savior. Let that become real within your heart today. Come on, as we sing. up for another uh, item as well. We're getting closer and closer to launching the Fairfield branch. Anybody that's going to Fairfield, you're considering going to Fairfield, I want you to be willing to come forward and pray. We want, we want, we want an open heaven over there to where people are just going to flood into that place. People's lives are going to be changed to where it's going to be so, people's going to feel so comfortable about going into that building. I think if any building I've ever seen is going to have architectural evangelism, that building is. People are going to go there that went to school there to see what it looks like today. People are going to go there that's heard about it to see what it looks like today. There's going to be a lot of people coming to Jesus because of us being there. So let's be willing to do our part in that. And part of that is praying unto God for his favor to happen. Come on. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God.
I run the risk of saying this too much, because if I say it too much, then it's kind of like a water off a duck's back. If I don't say it enough, then I feel guilty for not saying it. But I've just about just threw caution to the wind there and just almost say it every week, because I want, I want you to get it. I want you to get it. Share your faith with someone. It's so important, so important. There were people that went, I mean, they, they went after me. They went after me. I'd see them pull up in front of grandma's house and I'd run out the back door. And they didn't give up on me, they went after me. And I wanna be able to do the same thing for somebody else. Two valid ways to do this. One, go and tell. Another way, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God's doing. Come and see what God can do within your life. Go and tell. Come and see. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus.